Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Hello and welcome to the Thinking Leader podcast. And I'm, once again, your occasional contributor, Producer James. Um, they, they subbed me for a little while. They brought Producer Sam in for a bit. Um, but, but Marcus was in the United Kingdom for a couple of days. I was like, come in, have a chicken sheesh. Tell me about what you're doing. Uh, and we got talking about, over, over lunch, we got talking about an amazing presentation that Marcus gave yesterday to, uh, to a delegation of, what, 100-odd people, yeah, I think, in the room. Plus. And when we were going through the process, I was like, we need to teach this on the podcast. So you came in for a chat and a kebab, and unfortunately, I've forced you to come and sit in the studio. Sorry, indeed. mate. Sorry. Always a pleasure. Though. But here we are. Always a pleasure. Thinking leader. So what we're going to go through today, so the lost art of contradiction. Yeah, absolutely. So I had the, the fortune to be asked to be one of the keynote speakers yesterday at an event called Scrum Day London, organized by a great guy called Nana Aban and his company, Akaditi. And it's a big congregation of Scrum and Agile practitioners from across the globe coming together and Predominantly, it focuses on Agile, the tools and techniques. But they asked me to come along. Nana came through our training program last year and saw the value of this red team thinking capability and how it can help Agile. So I was asked to go along and present, and I thought, I'll spice it up a bit. And the title should hopefully speak for itself. Talk about the lost art of contradiction. So, so in the Agile world, just for those who might, I know a lot of the, the listeners and watchers of this podcast will be very au fait with it. But what's the, yeah. the overall overarching principle of agile as a concept yeah so the, the concept is it's the evolution of how we deliver products software items and think about the tailorism mechanistic world of the production line and the sort of what was waterfall project management big 18 month programs we know the outcome agile is how do we deliver small things iteratively in a complex world where we have to be testing and experimenting so it's breaking things down into what they call sprints so small cycles of delivery delivering value to the customer understanding the feedback, learning from that, then iterating and continually evolving that capability. And it's a great it's a great tool set, it's a great mindset, but it's been failing miserably. For the last mm. 20 years, it's still having a 75% failure rate, despite multiple consultancies wow. helping or not. Uh, <laughs> Had to get that in there. Exactly. <laughs> no offense to all my friends who are consultants. <laughs> but we've realized that it's, and we'll talk about this today, you know, Agile is a new way of working. And new ways of working are great if you have a new way of thinking. But if you're still set in the old ways of thinking, trying to use a new tool or technique, and it goes for anything, doesn't it? And if you've not evolved your mindset to shift and enable that new tool, then it's going to start to cause problems. Mm. And it's not that the tools about Agile is getting a lot of bashing at the moment. I don't like that because it's a great capability. We just have to think differently of how we use it. And so, that's where so is this almost like modern ways of operating, but being backed with old ways of thinking? Absolutely. And that's where the, yeah, the, the, the juxtaposition doesn't work. 100%, James. Because you, exactly you were involved that. in Agile quite heavily yeah, absolutely, out yeah. of the military days, weren't you? Yeah, that... I mean, even the, mili the military do Agile by default. You know, We right. were doing it long before the Agile Manifesto and Scrum became a word. Right. You know, small teams operating independently, thinking for themselves, testing and learning, and just making decisions faster. That's what the military does. And obviously then the Agile world grew from you know sort of 2001 onwards and how that's evolved 
at the pace it has along with digital has really seduced people. Mm. Back in the old days of project management, it always used to be people, process, platform, the three Ps, or people, process, technology. That's flipped in the last 20 years. We've got seduced by digital. So now we have technology, process, people's almost like a mere, really? Bit of an afterthought. Yeah, do we need them now? We've got cool technology. And it's only recently now where we're seeing that we've missed the people opportunity, the human capital, where we failed to invest because we've been so focused on technology and process. And we believe that they would almost overcome the need for people. But we'll touch on this today. You can't ever take people out of the loop. And AI will tell you that itself. As yeah. you look at our podcast last week, we put ChatGPT chat versus ChatGPT, devil's advocate. And it came back and told us, we need people to yeah. do the thinking. We're just here to help. And it's just a tool that allows you to do things better. When you were in the agile space, that's sort of a little while back, did you see that the, the sort of the third P in the sort of the three Ps, i.e. the people, that was the lacking part of it, even when you were working back in I mean, I was head of Agile at Lloyd's, and and the process that we rolled out there worked really well, and it's still in place today. It's called Optimus, and we didn't take a product off the shelf, or we didn't have a consultant come and say, do safe, do Agile this way, do that. We took a blend. These things are called frameworks for a reason, Mm. and the people who are saying, this is how you must do it this way, absolute nonsense. It's a framework. If I want to take seven different frameworks and blend them, that's how you make these things effective. And if you can then add the people element to that, and this is where red team thinking comes in, it brings in that people's thought process to those frameworks, you get a far more capable hybrid process that's going to get you the results that you actually need. Why is it that people, ironically using the word people there, why is it that, say, senior management at C-suites think that actually the tech and the system and the process is enough and they speed. fail to understand? Speed. Is it all down speed. to the speed? 100%. They believe that we can rebrand everybody from project manager on Monday, on Friday, to product owner on Monday, new name, new title, and give them a two-day course. You know, and then go and use all the artificial intelligence, machine platform learning capabilities, new processes, and that will take you Mm. where you need to do. And and it doesn't, and that's why these things are failing, because it looks great on paper, and I can come in with a shiny PDF, as McKinkey or BBC, whoever they are, and sell this to you, and you go, wow, that's great, and I'm gonna get 30% efficiency? Yep, 30% increase in ROI? Yep. And you go off and do it, and then six months, nine months, 12 months down range, you're almost back to square one. Sometimes you're back to worse mm-hmm. than you were because of that impact on your people who are now frustrated, disempowered, rather or than gone, empowered, if it's or that, gone. Yeah. Exactly. And normally it's the good people who are the first to, to split because they yeah. can see what's coming. Yeah. So what did you walk through, everyone through on this presentation yesterday, and what are you going to walk through now? How to add the P Absolutely. part of the three Ps back How do you bring it? back this art of contradiction? Okay to enable us to speak with each other, you know, openly and challenge each other rather than, what are we seeing today? We're seeing polarization. You and I may have different opinions. You may have all the facts, but my opinion is right and your facts are wrong, James, Mm. because that's where I sit and I don't want to listen to your opinions, even if they are facts. So we're not having good discourse. We're not having what I think humans do the best, argue. All my best friends, we argue all the time. We have great discussion about topics. And we'll agree to disagree, and that's okay. But it's that difference and that diversity of thought that you get that brings in what I think is the real fruit of the capabilities of people. Mm. Because you may have an idea. I may have an idea, totally different. But you having your idea may trigger me to think about something different that I've never thought of before, and vice versa. So instead of having our two ideas opposing each other, how about we merge our two ideas and then collectively work together to get a hybrid outcome? 
that takes the best bits of both. Mm. And so often people see it and it goes back to why is this failing? Because people are attacking the person and not the problem. And we did a coaching.com program the other night and a great quote from ladies Carolyn. She said, go soft on the person, go hard on the problem. So stop yeah, the personal good, yeah. attacks on somebody. So if you challenge me, I know you're challenging your idea, thing, yeah. my idea. And why are you doing that? Because we want to get a better out- outcome together. That's yeah. our intent together is to get a great outcome. And I remember when I was in Lloyd's, we had a team there, we had the, sort of the senior leadership team. We'd go and lock ourselves in a room, six to eight of us, depending on the day. And it was a thin-walled room, and there's 200 people outside working. And we'd have a session, and we'd come out, and the floor would be silent. Because <laughs> they heard us in there yeah. going at it like cat and dog. Blood on the walls, foul language coming out. But that's just how we all operated. But nobody, in, we all came out, slapped each other in the back and all went to the pub for lunch. Yeah. It was like, what a brilliant what, session. What, yeah. what, what, you, what you guys do? I thought you hated each other. I'm like, no, I hate the problem. And I've solved it now because what he said and what she said and what we came together with. Yeah. And it's just the way, it, and that's okay. But as long as you're all aligned with that behavior and how you're operating, it makes no difference. It's what works for you as a team. And it's that, again, collective thought and ideas coming together and no idea gets shut down mm. because everybody's got a voice and there's no such thing as a stupid comment or a question. Because right? if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure, you can guarantee someone else is thinking the same yeah. thing. You're just not fearful. You're too fearful to answer to and ask it and say it. So it's mad that's in, what in this the, is about. in the day and age that we live in as well where there's so much... I guess it almost like greenwashing or flag waving for yeah. oh we're diverse and inclusive and nonsense. Actually, you oh, just we'll talk D and I today. Yeah, absolutely okay. nonsense and a big thorn in my side at the moment. And so if you're listening clients. to the podcast, we're actually going to be. I, I suggest click the link in the show notes and bounce out to YouTube to watch this episode because we've actually got a presentation. So I'm yeah, going to we'll step through. I'm, I'm going to be your crowd. I'm going to be your loving audience. Awesome. So we kicked off the lost art of contradiction, and I use this great image, which if you've seen the movie Angels and Demons. And look closely. Oh, that's where it's Yeah, from, you can okay. see on the left, this is a half model. On the left side, you've got the beautiful angel wings. And on the right, you've got the leathered devil wings. And it's quite grotesque when you look from the front of it. But this whole purpose here is this angel and devil, this light and dark, these opposing views, which isn't bad. But everybody seems to say, oh, no, no, and especially this day, well, we've got to be nice, we've got to be kind. Doesn't mean you can't argue. Doesn't mean you can't disagree. Yeah. But people are fearful of being disagreeable for being then pointed at and going, oh, you're not a team player, James. Di- he's difficult you're difficult yeah, you're, yeah. Dis- you're a dissenting contradictor nothing wrong with that so that's what we're here to look at and I started off with this great great quote I use often from Ian Conn it's moving too fast it is revolution not evolution and there are many accelerations at once and one of the biggest problems is the difficulty of mankind to cope with it I don't know whether political leaders or business leaders can easily handle it look at the date that's 2018 that's five years ago before yeah. all the stuff's gone on with COVID and the war. And he was predicting his future here. A year later, at this point, they'd made half a billion in profit that year. And he worked for British Gas Utilities, Concentrica. A year later, they'd lost a billion. A year later, he stood down as CEO, almost predicting his own fate. And what he's just simply saying here, there's no more super CEOs. Any individual out there who thinks they can deal and cope with what's going on in this complex world is just plain wrong. Any C-suite who thinks they can do that, unless you're the only group in the business and there's six of you, you're wrong. You need the whole of your organization. That's why we employ great people. Don't employ them and then tell them what they need to do, as Steve mm-hmm. Jobs says. You know, employ good people so they can tell you what needs to be done, what they can share with you. So Con here is just saying we need to use the wisdom of the crowd 
to help us get through this complexity that is now the new normal. This isn't going back to something you thought was no, cool no. in the 90s. No. It's just going to get crazy. Quite the opposite. Every day, every single day, you turn the news, look at something, going, wow, never saw that coming. Somebody did. And that's not going to change. So yeah. if you're singly relying on yourself or your small team, wake up. Because if you don't wake up, you'll be put to bed for permanently. Most businesses die from self-inflicted wounds because they're not paying attention and they're not allowing this contradiction that we need because people can't challenge or they think they can't. So we'll talk about that. And this is a great quote from General Patton. You know, if everybody's thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. And this is where we get <laughs> I love that, the yeah. group think. Yeah. And you see this in organizations, the harmony. Oh, I don't want to step up. I'll, I'll just go with what everybody else is saying. And then you get an echo chamber. And the boss comes in, hey, everybody, I think this. I think that as well, sir. Great idea. Madam, wonderful idea. Great suggestion. Uh, you just said you disagree before they said that. Yeah, but I don't want to rock the boat. Groupthink, very, very dangerous, becomes toxic. Mm. And people get frustrated by it when things go wrong. And they go, oh, but I said that six months ago. But you didn't, did you? You didn't speak you up about it. You thought it. You thought it. <laughs> yeah. But you, you were prevented by the system, by your own fears, etc. And bad things happen when we don't challenge. And these are some very graphic examples where thousands of people have died collectively. But this is no different to what can happen in a company. Look at the suicide rates going up. Look at the mental health issues we're seeing today. Why is that? Because people are taking all of this on without sharing it. You, know, you, you bottle these things up and don't get them out. They add weight to you. They add stress to your physic, you know, physical body. So by sharing, by challenging and all of these incidents, if you look at the after action reviews, they could have all been prevented. Either people didn't speak up or somebody who did speak up got shut down. And we've seen, sadly, history repeats itself. It's an awful phrase, but it's true because we don't learn the lessons. And here we are again, something else happens. And we need to stop that. And that's why we want to help people do this. Uh, so we had 100 people in the audience yesterday, and I put this up for a bit of a joke. So you're out for a walk, me and you are walking through the woods, and we turn around the corner, and there's this huge puddle in the middle of the path. Okay, do you walk around it, walk through it, or jump in it and splash around? What do you do, James? Depends who I'm with. If I was with my son, we're definitely going for C. By default, if I'm on my own, I'm definitely going for A. Yeah. So yesterday, depending on the audience, again, a collective audience of mature people, most people went for A. Yeah. I did this with my daughter's uh, business class at university, 400 individuals smatterings across all ABC. I do this with a, a small group at school and we get lots of C's. Yeah. Okay. And this is reflective of what I call our inner curiosity. We're all born. I'm not trying to teach people new stuff. I'm trying to reignite what's inside. We're all born natural red team thinkers. We're all born mini contrarians, mini scientists. Kids want to jump in puddles. You tell your kid not to push that big red button. What are they going to go and do? Oh, or pull the red cord. Yeah. They love doing that. We did five whys with the students on Monday night. I told my mum at the weekend, she's like, what are you doing? I said, we're teaching five whys. And she just said, five whys. Explain what it was. She goes, oh yeah, I remember that. You as a kid, Mr. Yeah. 55 whys. She's like, I, <laughs> That's I, my boy at the moment. I yeah. could not satiate yeah. your desire to be, you know, why yeah. mum? Because yeah. of this, but, but why? And it's that inner curiosity as a child that is there in all yeah. of us. It's inherent. But then what happens? You know, we go to school and we're not taught the things that inflame that curiosity, it's dampened. We're not taught ambition. We're not taught initiative. We're not taught curiosity. It's stymied the systemic issues that are created from kindergarten onwards. I call it the conformity conveyor belt. 
get into school, line up, put your coat there, sit down, put your hand up, don't speak, follow that, tick that box. Uh, but, but I've got, no, be quiet. Don't disturb the rest of the class. Yeah. And then what we see, instead of this wonderful, there's nothing better than watching children inquiring, digging in, looking at yeah, things yeah. in that different view. But we all had that. And what quickly happens is this. We get this it's dull... So uh, how many kids... It's, hey, kids, who liked school? Said no kid ever. Me. Yeah. Right? Oh, boring. It's dull. Who was your best teacher? The teacher who engaged you. The teacher who made you feel alive and made you... Again, it goes back to great leaders, isn't it? It's not what they taught you. It's how they made you feel. Mm. And this is what's going on in education. I, you know, I really want to get this capability, critical thinking, into schools for children because they're the pioneers of it. Truly. So let's reignite that, that capability, reclaim the role of thinker. Because what happens then? We're in the workplace. Same thing. Gallup polls, 21% of people are engaged at work. 21 globally. That's 21% are engaged. Are engaged. Wow. 79% disengaged. And I think 15% of that are actually sabotaging the workplace. Wow. What a stat. That's, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah. When you think about that. Yeah. And it's been pretty consistent. It's got worse the last few years. And both Google and Apple did a, a detailed survey and they found that for every 1% increase in engagement, you got a 1% increase in ROI. Think about that. See, now you're talking their language. Now you've got now, 79% yeah. of ROI sat on the table yeah. to play with. But how awful is that? If you're out there listening, if you're going to work and you're not engaged, if you're not getting out of bed going, I want to go to work today and do my best, I want to take my A game, mm. why aren't you? What's, horrible place to be it's as well, awful it? it's, and it's so many people destroying. are yeah, yeah. that builds to the stress and mental health issues I've talked about that builds into the ineffectiveness in the workplace and organisations wonder why they're not delivering what they expect you can quickly go in ask a few questions and I can tell you straight away why and it's not because of your products not because of your customers it's that internal capability that you're not engaging mm. you know you might talk about empowerment it's not happening it's just a buzzword so we've got to get people off this conveyor, you know, conformity conveyor belt why? And we've talked about this a lot on The Thinking Leader. We live in this complex world, this VUCA world. All right? We're surrounded by volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Then that final H, hyperconnectivity, has been added recently because of the nature of the world we now live in. This digitized, connected world. I make a decision today, that is now global in three minutes. It's much harder then to retract that decision if it's yeah. wrong. So we talk about making better decisions faster, but it's the better piece that's important. Because if you make a bad decision fast, which many do, it's out there. You can't pull it back and then the damage is done and the, the, you know, the horse is bolted. So in today's complex world, we can't make these sort of rash decisions, these reactive decisions. We have to be responsive and really deep thinking before we do that. And that's the problem. People aren't thinking. And when decisions are made and they're perceived to be bad, no one's challenging it. No one's saying, no, stop, don't do that because this was likely outcomes. They let it happen. Mm. And then they sit back and become armchair generals and go, oh, we told you. Told you so. Happened. Yeah, Told yeah. you so. But yeah. you didn't tell me so. So it's unfortunate. Popped a question up yesterday. What skill is most essential for navigating today's complex world? Okay. Five options. Digital acumen, business agility, critical thinking, leadership, and communication. And we do this as a multi-choice. And most people pick between two to five. Two, three, four, five. Yeah. Digital acumen, despite the requirements of it, doesn't get much of a vote because they realize it's not. It's not the silver bullet. The answer is critical thinking. Obviously, we need all of these things, but critical thinking is now deemed essential. And this is from this Future of Jobs report, 2020, from the World Economic Forum. 
Applied critical thinking and problem solving are the two most sought after requirements. And they reckon that these are going to be essential by 2025, right? I think that's wrong. It's essential now. Yeah, yeah. We've missed the boat yeah. already. And the problem is, if I ask everybody today, hands up who thinks they're a critical thinker? We all put our hands up. Because that's our brain telling you you are. Your brain's lying. Yeah. Your brain is lazy by default, and it will take the quickest shortcut it can to get a solution. Because the brain, despite its size, is the biggest drainer of energy on the body. So it fobs you off and makes you think you're a critical thinker. But you can't just be a critical thinker. You have to learn it, and you physically have to engage what's called system two thinking, which is thoughtful, logical, and error-free, more, more times than not, rather than the system one thinking, which is going with your gut, intuition, reactive, which is highly error-prone. And to use system one in a complex world is highly dangerous. And Daniel Kahneman talks a lot about this. Highly recommend his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, where he goes into that in detail. I um, guess, sorry, just to touch on that yeah, point as well, I imagine for those who, are, who would consider themselves to be critical thinkers, they're only critical thinking at the level at which it's safe Absolutely. in the organisation to do so. Absolutely. And we'll talk about psychological safety in a moment because that's the frustration, is it? If you're a strategic thinker, but you're stuck down in your, your specific level in the business, you're not adding the you're value allowed. that you could. Yeah. And good old McKinsey, you know, I bash them all the time, but they are good at reports. They are good at data <laughs> gathering, data collection. Somebody better get a clip of that. He said something yeah, nice Mark about them. Somebody, nice. Ali, who does all the clips, just get that as a clip <laughs> for protection of Don't Marcus. make that the one-minute short <laughs> clip, please. I'm going to get all my mates a McKinsey badge now. <laughs> But, you know, they're saying the demand for these skills will grow. Mm. And it has grown. I yeah. said this was 2020. They've done a report in 2023. Look at the top two. Yeah. Thinking. Analytical, creative. It's all critical thinking. And these things aren't out there. Because when you go and talk to HR, talk to CEOs recruiting, the top 500, Fortune 500 companies, 97% of the CEOs are saying we're not having the people come through the door with these skills. And look at them. Problem solving. Dealing with complexity, communication. These aren't hard skills. No. These aren't difficult. These are default to me, human capabilities that we're born with. But they are stymied. They've been crushed as we've gone through this system. Yeah, they're almost educated yeah. out of Educa you, aren't they, exactly. anything? Yeah. Beautiful phrase. Yeah. Educated out of you. Because the system doesn't want it. No. Think about that. It doesn't want you solving problems. Leave that to the big guys at the top. We'll yeah. sort that out, young man. Just carry on as you're doing your thing, James. Complexity and ambiguity. We don't want that. We breed ambiguity. There's a lot of ambiguity in the world. So look at politicians. Every time they speak, <laughs> ambiguous words come out of their mouth. Well, yeah. What do you mean? Well, he doesn't know exactly. That's the whole point. They don't want you to know what they mean. And communication. It's what we do better. We talk. It's what humans do. We speak to each other. Failure to communicate. Leaders. I think it's, you have to repeat something seven times for it to stick. Say it a hundred times. Keep the messaging going and be mm -hmm. consistency. But talk to people. We talk about the ivory tower and, you know, sat up at the top. You're not aware of what's going on. You're getting that rose-tinted filtering by your seniors, by your executives, coming to you, telling you what you want to hear. And until you go down and communicate and talk to people throughout the organization, you're not going to get the facts. And Toyota calls this Genchi Genbutsu, which means going to where the activity is taking place, going to the workplace, watching the action happen. Yeah. If you don't know what's going on in your production line, don't listen to the production manager. Go and see it. Go and watch it happening, flowing and seeing where the problems are and what your people are doing. So it's really important. And this great comment here from Tim Berners-Lee, and this touched on what you mentioned about DEI. Tim Berners-Lee created the internet. We need diversity of thought in the world to face the new challenges. This is a diversity you need in your organization. If your DEI program isn't focusing on creating diversity of thought, 
you need another program. Your policy is incorrect. And what we're tending to see now, and this is global, for me, DNI is becoming a pick and mix policy. Yeah. We need 40% of those, 15% of those, 20% of those, 10% of those. 100% box tick, isn't it? And that's it. You've ticked yeah. the box, done. So what? What have you done? You focus on the big D. What about the I? Mm. I'm not opposed to recruiting for whatever tick box percentages you need. If you don't then include them, all you've done is create tokenism. And we had a great session with the government a few years ago, ran a program with 35 people. And at the end of it, two ladies came up to us and said to me, it's me and Ali. And she said, can we have a conversation? Yeah, so she said, I just want to thank you guys. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, we've been here 18 months. We got brought in to tick a box. We ticked a, a diversity box and nobody's listened at all to us for 18 months. I said, today, it's the most we've spoken up. It's the most we've been heard and it's the most that we've engaged. And I just want to thank you for that. And we couldn't have done it without these tools and techniques. She said, we, we just feel like tokenism. I, I, was, I was welling up. It, I'm so emotionally- place to be. I'm so emotionally involved with this. I and mean, to see people feeling like that. And we yeah. know this is just the tip of the iceberg. All these nonsense DEI policies out there causing more problems, causing more harm than good. Because no, it's great, yeah. By all means, have the best diverse workforce in the world. If you're not including them, doesn't matter. It's just frustration. Yeah. And they're frustrated. You know? Really, really important. So I think understanding how we get diversity of thought and engage it is really key. And that's what we're all about. And we talked about this before, this 21st century ways of working, they're all fabulous, but they won't work with 20th century ways of thinking. If you're still stuck in your old way of thinking about something, then giving you a new tool, you'll still use it the same way. And then it doesn't work and you wonder why. Almost but a tool. A poor workman blames their tools. Yeah, remember that saying? Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. So you've got to shift your thinking. As Einstein said, you know, we need a new way of thinking. We have to question everything. Especially today, all this fake news and blah, blah, blah going around. We don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. So we have to question. We have to challenge. Stop being fed and believing. Just ask why? So what? Where's that come from? Why would somebody think that or say that? Start to challenge and have what Socrates, you know, the granddaddy of critical thinking. From his death came the Socratic method. He was the wisest man in Athens because he knew nothing. But he knew things by questioning. Him and these fellow philosophers had a great discourse, great sessions where they just sit questioning each other all day, then riffing off the answer with further questions. And through that, you get to dig down and dig deep and find out why and understand that's not happening. It's this very black and white, polarized, here's the answer, that's what it is. Mm. And loads of people are going, but why? But they're not saying it. How do we enable people to say it? This is where red team thinking evolved. And this concept of red teaming, a red team to challenge everything is great, but why have a red team when you could have everybody thinking like a red teamer, which is what the concept of this is. So as you say here, it's a cognitive capability. It allows your mindset to change. And this is what it's all about. It's got to start with the mindset. It's got to start with you. And we do that through this super simple suite of tools and techniques. Uh, jokingly, I call this stuff face palm coaching because it's so simple. People are like, oh, are, we <laughs> are we paying him for this? Yeah. It's just common sense, Marcus. But it's not, not common. common. Yeah. Is it? Here's the problem. And it's so simple. It's not only that when we go on training, what do we do? I go on a training course. I have a great time for two days. I come back. I don't share it, I don't use it, but I had a fun time. Yeah. This stuff, you can learn it today, you will take it back tomorrow, you'll instantly use it yourself, you'll instantly be able to teach your team members, your bosses, your colleagues, whoever, how to use these tools and techniques as well. That's the beauty. Immediate applicability, instant efficacy. Right, and we've got 
loads of data to prove that. So what does it do? As I said earlier, you have to engage critical thinking. It's not a default state of mind. You have to physically stick that gear in in your brain so you are critically thinking. System two. Distributed decision-making. Ian Conn, guy at the beginning, he sat at the top. He can't sit there and make all the decisions. He has to devolve responsibility to where the information's at, where the decisions can be made the quickest, and you can give people control. By all means, retain command. People, people hate command and control. Now, in the military, I was a command and control officer, but they think it sits there, locked at the top. It doesn't. Command has to retain. But nothing stops you pushing control wherever you need it to yeah. be, both down and across the organization. And that's where leaders are failing. They're not de delegating through lack of trust, through lack of fear. But if you devolve decision-making, military, we call it mission command or Auschwitz tactic. How do you relay commander's intent all the way down to where it needs to be executed? That's what that means. Talked about diversity of thought. You have to encourage this. You don't have to encourage it. You have to do it. Enable it through your policies. Look at your D&I policy. If it's not a big I as well as a big D, what are you doing? It's going to fail. And then finally, it's going to expose threats, but also opportunities. Today's world, everybody's focusing on the threat. So when your head's down looking at the risks and the threats, what are you doing? You're not seeing the opportunity mm. float by. And in this day and age, it's not enough to avoid the threat. It's the people, the companies, the businesses that see the opportunity and leap on it and then expand it that make the difference. They're the survivors and then they thrive. Just exposing a threat and dodging it doesn't mean you're going to survive in this day and age. That's what's really important. This is what this capability does for organizations. And from this, we came up with what's called the three C's, just working with clients. And again, I'm not going to apologize for how ridiculously simple this is. If it's simple, you remember it. Came up with the three C's. First one of those was clarity. Yeah, this is a two for, two for one. Have you got clarity of vision, mission, statement, understanding, strategy, plans, where we're going? Tick. Do you have personal clarity? Have you got self-awareness? Are you reflecting on what's going on with you? Have you got situational awareness, what's going on around you? And within that, do you understand the people you're working with, four, two, customers? And do you understand the problem you're facing into? Clarity. You ask those questions to most organizations. I've yet to have anybody say yes to all of them. Then, if you do have that, that's great. Have you got the capability to actually deliver? And we've talked about hard skills, these technical skills. Everybody focuses on that one, your resumes, your CVs, your training. But what about the soft skills? Freaking awful word. Soft skills. I hate it. It really demeans it, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm switching this to professional skills and cognitive skills. Professional skills, things I need to do my job. Then cognitive skills, things I need to operate as a quality human being. Yeah. Both personal and professional. 85% of budget for L&D goes on technical training. 15% on soft skills. That needs to change a lot. That's what we're bringing is this soft skill capability, this cognitive skill capability, because it's by far the most important. It's bringing that third P back into yeah. the trio we talked about. Get that right, you then get the culture that you need. And this then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a virtual circle climbing up. And great culture brings clarity. That brings capability, and you go upwards. If you don't have those things, if you're not innovative, if you're not learning and enabling, you get a toxic culture. And we know how quickly those spiral out. Businesses die from self-inflicted wounds. We mm. see it all the time. So the art of contradiction. Another great quote here from John Dewey. Conflict is the gadfly of thought. Gadflies are those bloody big awful horseflies that go yeah. around ripping flesh out of you when you're on yeah. holiday. Yeah. But they stir you into observation, don't yeah. they? Wake you up and memory, oh yes. It instigates to invention. This creativity that we're talking about. 
shocks us out of sheep-like passivity. How many listeners today are out there sheep-like in their daily routine? On the conformity conveyable, on the hamster wheel. Gotta work, trudge, trudge, drew. Get out of it, snap out of it. And it sets us to noting and contriving. I love this. Noting, paying attention, taking notes, understanding and contriving. Not in a bad way. It's very Machiavellian is this capability. Someone called it very sneaky, sneaky. Because it allows you to influence people without them even realizing it. But if you're doing it with good intent, then for me, it's game on. Play fair, don't play nice. So this is what it's all about. We have to be, and Socrates called himself the gadfly of Athens. That was his mission to go around stirring people to think because he was frustrated by it, as we all are today. How do we do this? Quick, simple tool. Think, write, share. Again, let's grab some eggs, start sucking. This is so simple. Let's think about a question. Normally, if I pose a question to a group of you, before I've even finished answering it, someone's going to shout out the answer. You blurt it out, yeah. And we did this yesterday. I even briefed this yesterday, and somebody shouted out the answer straight away. Oh. I can't believe it. And I said, I said, she's she's not a plant. Yeah. And I didn't even I said, that's okay. I said, that's just what I proved. That's your system one brain kicking in. Yeah. You couldn't even stop it, could you? And she's like, so embarrassed. I said, Don't worry, it's cool. That's a perfect proof. This is how we operate. It shows how hardwired it is as well. It's automatic. 100%. 100%. Automatic. It is yeah. Full on automation. 100 percent As a kid, the teacher's writing the question on the board. You're answering it before the finish. Yeah. So again, if you're gonna use this tool, tell people what not to do, right, nobody say anything. Here's a question I'm going to post to you and then I want you to stop and think for 60 seconds and I want you to engage your brain. And a great acid test of this is when I first ask you the question, something will leap into your mind, default, as you said. Is that answer the same after 60 seconds of thinking differently? 85% of the time it'll be different because you've allowed your brain to engage and think of different other Mm. opportunities. So we do that. What do we do then? We write the answer down. So just by writing it down, either scribing it or on a computer, scribing is better. It, react, it activates different neurons in the brain. So it gives you further clarity. And also, again, another two for one here, you've written that down. There's no pressure now. So when you share it with a group, if I say, James, share me your answer. Normally happens in class, isn't it? Well, if James gets it wrong, he's going to ask me next. So I'm worried about my answer and I'm thinking about my response, not what you're saying. I can now actively listen to what you're saying and my other colleagues. So I'm learning, I'm noting what you're saying. And if you ask me, hey, cool, there it is. I can read it off. I'm not worried about it because I've scribed it. You can do this anonymously. You can use online mural, online templates to do that if you want. Or in a group, all write down on a post-it note or a postcard with the same pens. And then either shuffle them all. So I get one. It could be mine again. It could be yours. I don't know. And we just read it out and we have a discussion about it. So now, 10 of us in a room, I've got 10 responses. There may be some similar. We put them all up and we have a debate. We have a discussion. We discuss. Why is this a good idea? And we debate it. No one knows that James said that. And then when we finish, if there's one great idea that we take on and we go and make millions with a business for it, James might go, uh, that was mine. So you can put in positions of reward or none of those ideas might work. Mm. But you know what will happen? 10 of us will be triggered by those 10 and our brains will be on receive and we'll think differently and we'll come up with a hybrid outcome because we've all collectively taken something in different we didn't know about before and we get a better outcome. You're also now engaged, aren't you? That active learning, that active engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's happened? If I walk in, here's my question and James goes, yeah, here's the answer, boss. Wonderful, James, thanks. All the other nine people go, what the hell? Yeah. I had a great idea. Yeah. What the... Even being asked, I imagine, for the 10 who get asked the question, we would value your opinion on X, Y, Z. Now you've got 
next level engagement because a lot of big organizations think that the way that you reward people is a monetary system but actually reward can be engagement engagement enjoyment of 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 being able to be included it goes back to the two ladies i talked about you know they were engaged that day and people listened if you've got introverts who don't speak but they've got the best ideas this allows them to speak up not only that by being anonymous you don't have biases so if you say something and I go around the room, right, if I'm trying to be a cool boy and you see this all the time, right, I want 10 answers. So I go around the room, James, give me your answer first. Whatever you say, and I don't care what people think, what you say will trigger everyone else, oh, biases to yeah. kick in and go, yeah. oh, and they'll build off of your answer. Yeah. Or I might have an answer and number three say something, and go, oh, God, these answers are so better than mine. I've got to think of something, oh, I've got a riff, oh, I've got a variation. So you get 10 variations. But now you're also not listening. Correct. You're, all you're caring about is exactly. recycling or reciting in your head what your answer is going to be. So you see, all, so good. you see why meetings are so bad yeah, and why people are so disengaged or don't go because they're awful. They're just so incompetently managed and run, but it's so simple to fix mm. it. And so if we've got a client, they've got Think Right Share, Fab London, all their meeting rooms globally. It's changed the culture of the business. And if they're going down a rabbit hole and it's getting a bit hairy, someone will just go, Ahem. can we... Uh, Go back to what we're supposed to be doing. Think right, share. Levels the playing field. Absolute yeah, resets brilliant. it and people are engaged. You'll be seen, perceived as a great leader because your people love you for engaging them. Your output will be better. The outcomes your teams create are better. Think right, share. Take it away. Try it. Seriously. Everybody we use, we use as a foundational tool in all of our other tools and techniques. This is the number one thing that all of our clients come back with and say, that's the game changer. Take it away. Use it tomorrow. I'm thinking about it myself now. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never done yeah, that Every with time the you team. have a conversation with the team, do it. Yeah. Super easy. Did this yesterday. So again, audience, 100 people. Okay, oh, I don't have time to do this, Marcus. You've got five minutes. Yeah, right. Here's how we do it. What's the one thing that prevents people from challenging in the workplace? I've got a mentee account. It's free. I put up a code. 100 people in the audience clicked in. And if I'd have asked, I'd have probably got six answers. Yeah, if you go around the room, a few people put their hand up. Look at those answers. Lots. These are the reasons why people aren't speaking up in organizations. Mm. Quite harrowing. Yeah. See how I get emotional about this. People are feeling fearful, uncertain, vulnerable, men. Fear of being wrong, negative consequences, lacking confidence, incompetence, embarrassment, embarrassing myself, image, deafness, won't be listened to, more work, lack of motivation. This is awful. Awful. But I'll tell you what. This is 90% the common response we get across all sectors. Mm. We're in a very fortunate place at Red Team Thinking. We work with everybody from frontline firefighters to CEOs of banks to nurses to military to governments. doesn't matter. These are common issues because we're talking about people here. We're talking about grey matter between our ears. And this is what people are struggling with in any organisation. It needs to change. So how do we change it? You know, great quote here, Thomas Schelling and preemptive quote is none of us is as smart as all of us yeah none of us is as smart as all of us and Schelling says it here one thing a person cannot do no matter how rigorous their analysis or heroic their imagination is to draw up a list of things that will never occur to him (laughs) just think about that yeah and this is why you want diversity you could ask me a question right you could put a gun to my head and a million pounds on the table and go Marcus I want the answer if I don't know I don't know yeah doesn't matter how long you sit me there what you forced me to do. But I could just ask Bob over there in the corner who's really quiet and they'll go, oh yeah, it's this. Oh, I would have never, what we say, I'd have never thought of that in a million years. Yeah. Somebody will. And when you get people together, you enable them, look at all those suggestions, 
bang, you get great outcomes because people are thinking and you get the answers that you would never, ever consider. Rumsfeld talked about it in the comedy of unknown unknowns. I don't believe there's a thing that exists. Somebody knows. There may be millions of unknown unknowns to me, but you know them. You'll see them differently. Because again, what does it Ellie say? What you see is where you sit. And this is where the diversity of thought is brilliant. You get a diverse workforce because those diverse people come together and they have different experiences, different backgrounds, different upbringings. They see things differently because of where they sit. If you all come from the same seat, you'll get the same answers. So diversity of thought is critical. And I've alluded to this. All right, ask 100 people yesterday, what business are you all in? Finance, motor industry, journalism, military, government. And I say, no, you're not. They look at you and they go, who the hell is this guy telling me, you know, James Podcast Media Expert, I know what business I'm in. You don't. And I did this with eight executives last year and I said, you're all wrong. Like, oh God, I thought, I've been a bit ballsy in the audience with a closed <laughs> yeah. door. I said, try again. And they're like, okay. And this young lady, one of the ladies in there, business owner, she just, you could see her, she went, oh. No, what it is. He's got me. Yeah. I'm like, go on, what was it? And she said, people. And then everyone else is like, oh God, yeah. How foolish am I not to see that? I said, you're not alone. We, we don't put people first. And I've yet to find a business. I know automation's coming. Tell me business has got no people in it. Doesn't exist. No. Never will. I'll go out on a limb there. You can record this. Never will. We have to focus on the people business. And Branson, you know, Bran, Branson's a great advocate at this. Focus on your people. The customers will come first. The product will come first. We don't do this anymore, James. We don't. It's just an awful default of the way we work. Talk about changing culture. Talk about changing mindset. I've gone into organizations of Samarcus, can you change my culture? Blah, blah, blah. Where is it? Is it in the corner with wheels and handles? I can move it around. You can't change culture. I can't change your mindset. But what I can do is change your behaviors instantly. Think right, share. The behaviors of our company during meetings will be changed on Monday morning. We will all use think right, share in this way. That's a behavioral change of a person, of a people group, you can instigate. If you change that behavior, that will change their perspective. Changing perspective changes mindset. And when you get a collective, a mindset shift, what do you get? Culture shift. And then you get the virtuous circle. So again, don't tell me you can't do these things. Don't tell me you have time. Go and do micro changes to people's behavior. Turning up on time, calling things a certain way, behaving in a certain way. That will make that shift that you want to get from here to here that seems insurmountable until you start addressing why. Really important. Great comment here. One of our first podcasts on the uh, the show, Christian Johansson, the then CEO of Media Brands. He went through all of this training and we talk about making better decisions faster. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but this isn't just a power tool for doing that. It says here, this allows us to shift our culture in the direction we want. You can literally maneuver and navigate where you want your mm. business to go from a cultural perspective. You can maneuver your people to think how you want them to think, to focus where you want to focus, to elevate that culture in the way you need it to be. So powerful. And he's doing this within media brands you know, for the last two years. Really, really great outcomes. And why is this really hard? Psychological safety. Now, Amy Edmondson talked about this. This ability to speak up, to bring yourself to work, to challenge as you need to do. Right? Sure, we should all have that. Go and talk to an organization. Oh, yeah, I've got psychological safety. One CEO told me about all about this. Yes, Marcus, we have it. I said, how do you know? Because I told them they do. It's like, great. As an ego says here, 
that great quote from Princess Bride. You keep using that word, but I don't think you mean it means what you think it means. You're not clear because yeah. that doesn't exist. So we've got to enable people because look at these great kids. Replace those kids with your workforce, right? You've got great people with great ideas who want to speak up and share. And if you're not enabling them and engaging them, telling them they're empowered doesn't make it so. It's just buzzword BS and people are getting frustrated by that. We want to enable Mission Command. We talked about this. These are some of the things that we want in organizations. Again, have you got all of those things listed? Intent-based leadership, apply critical thinking, groupthink mitigation, wisdom of the crowd, distributed decision-making, people engagement, diversity of thought. Show me an organization out there that has all of those things, fully functioning and operational. They don't exist. But then you get, how do I do it all? How do I do this? It's really hard, Marcus. It's not. We've proved just some of the simple tools and techniques that are out there. But trust is broken. We have to regain trust. And another great red book, Lencioni, Five Dysfunctions. He talks about absence of trust and fear of conflict. And you need trust to be able to have healthy conflict. I disagree. I think we can flip that. By having healthy conflict, it builds trust. So having that discussion and arguing with each other in an open way, we can build that trust. We can agree disagreeably and disagree agreeably. We can be collegial contrarians. Remember the words here, agreeably, collegial, professional, professionally provocative. Criticize but be constructive and disrupt deliberately before someone else does. If we do all of these things and play fair, as I said, don't play nice or kind, I'm not in for that. Play fair because we're all on the same team. Stop those silos that are internal causing all these problems and then realize where the enemy is. Whatever that enemy is for your sector, work out who they are. Focus on them, not your own internal problems and conflicts. And if you do all of that, you can really get there. And again, a great podcast. Check it out with Mick Paisley, Chief Security and Resilience Officer. He went through all of this and the great statement. Nick, Nick spends 90 minutes a day reading up to keep up. He's got so many youngsters, five generations in the workplace. He's an older than me. He's like, I can't keep up. I have to train myself. So he does. I realized that these youngsters around me didn't think like I did. Not only were they not looking out the same window as me, they weren't even in the same building. So <laughs> what a, great what a reality check yeah. for yourself yeah, and a yeah. personal recognition. <laughs> and he said, I needed to adapt and evolve not only my way of thinking, but my way of leading. We all did. So this is why we're wow. called the thinking leader. Not only do you have to shift your thinking, but you've got to wait, change the way you lead and you have to be adaptive. Mm. And not just him, he's now influenced his whole C-suite because we all need to change. The point is me just doing it myself. If my peers don't do that as well, we yeah. have to have movement of force forward. So what can you take away from today and implement tomorrow? We've talked about already. Think, write, share. Engage your people. Find out why they're not engaging. Challenge your assumptions. We all make assumptions. Challenge them. Make a list of them. Check which ones are going to become true, which ones aren't. Ask your people why. Dead easy. And these are just sort of subsets of the tools we've got. Next one. Contemplate failure. Failure is a dirty word. We can't fail. If you plan for failure, you will avoid it. If you plan to avoid failure, you will crash into it. Work out why you could fail. Work out what could cause it. Put mechanisms in to prevent it. And engage your people in that process and you'll get massive feedback. Then consider alternatives. There's not one right answer in today's complex world. Here's my proposal. Take it away. Come back with different variations of it. Challenge it. Build on it. Come back and let's fuse that together to get a better outcome. Super simple things you can do. And as you said earlier, you do that and you engage your people, you're going to get a far better response. So that's it. We really believe it's time to think differently. A few top tips and techniques there how you can do this, how you can engage your people, how you can do this yourself. This is both a personal and professional capability. And if you do it, 
you're going to make a huge difference not only to your own world but to those around you and helping people along the way are you, start, are you starting to now you're sort of doing it in, in sort of big rooms like yesterday are you seeing people get on the bus with this stuff 100% I was staggered and overwhelmed by how many people yesterday were like wow that self-reflection of I've been missing this for so yeah. many I've known and, and again it's not I'm not sucking eggs but everyone's like oh yeah I know all this it's common sense we just haven't done it we've been too busy mm. and as I said yesterday I said don't give me I'm too busy busy is the new stupid get a better excuse because there's no excuse you, you have the yeah. time you're not that busy slow down to speed up take the time out to use something they take 10 minutes five minutes if you don't do it you're missing a huge trick for yourself and your organizational outcome amazing well I've obviously been involved in the producing of these shows for about a year or so yeah. now and I've never heard, it's made it more understandable to me like think right share I'm straight I'm going I'm doing that <laughs> I'm doing that um, amazing podcast episode again guys if you have listened through to all of this on Apple or Spotify or Google or Amazon Music if you want to get more information click onto the link in the show notes and you can watch the YouTube version of this and the slides that we've gone through today will also be there on YouTube which might make it a little bit more understandable don't forget wherever you're listening or watching around the world the busy is the new stupid. That's my line. I'm taking that. <laughs> you, is that yours? No, no. Warren, oh. Buff Warren Buffett. Oh, is it? Okay. Warren Buffett. We'll just pretend yeah. it was yours anyway then. Exactly. <laughs> See you again for another show soon. Cheers for listening. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode. There. You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.